What do we think about when we think about God? If we were to say, my God, would it be my God? Or would it be my God? Is it affection? Or is it an exclamation of surprise or disgust? Maybe the shortened version of, oh my goodness. The longer versions of OMG. Ever use that one? I'm not really comfortable with OMG for some bizarre reason. Those three orders and that, those three letters and that order, it's, it feels a little bit presumptuous to me. It, it's, it's like it's almost too casual with a name that is something more than casual. And I'm not puritanical when it comes to cussing, right? I don't subscribe to cussing, but I do acknowledge that sometimes, especially when you smack your head against something in the middle of the night, or you accidentally put your finger in between a hammer and a nail, or you stub a bare toe on an immovable object, or when someone says something so stupid, I understand that sometimes words come out, okay, that, that just you're like, okay, I get, the, but not this one, right? Not God. Or this one, Jesus. Or this one, Jesus Christ, right? Have you ever been around someone who says, my God, and they don't mean it as affection, but they mean it as surprise or, or disgust? Or they say, Jesus Christ, in that you know, expression of, and you say, no, my name is John, actually, but thanks for the compliment. <laughs> what do we think about when we think about God? On your way in today, you're handed a couple pieces of paper, equal in size, um, uh, designed to be taken home. Going through our statement of faith, we believe in one God, eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Page 1, Genesis 1, chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then many pages later, 886, in the beginning, John chapter 1, verse 1, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. They did it. They invited me back. Remember, remember last fall, I, I told you I'd been invited, okay? And that at the end of the time that I had it, I, I, I wondered whether or not they'd invite me back. This time it wasn't about teaching, okay? So I don't know if that's any indictment on my teaching ability. It was about answering questions. Before I walked into the lion's den, I told the far end in the gathering space, I'm about to walk into the lion's den. And they're like, oh, you must be teaching in the student ministries. I'm like, Psh, child's play. And they're like, oh, maybe you're working with the adults. And I'm like, that's like preschool. No, no, no. This would be returning to the most discerning crowd at Timberwood Church. Not easily amused, unlike you. The first through fourth graders on Wednesday nights. <laughs> this was to be a Q&A. Okay, a Q&A, because a series of questions had come up the week before, right? And, and they were hungry for answers. And, and this was the third question in. Pleasant little human being from the back row raises her hand, says, my question is, we pray to Father God. How come we don't pray to Mother God? I'm looking for the exit, Right? Fifteen minutes later, I feel like I have, I have run the equivalent of like biking 100 miles a day for the fifth day in a row. And I get this question. If God created the trees, where did God come from? 
I leaned back in the chair and I said, yeah, right, exactly, yes, 100%. That is the mystery. That is the mystery. God created the trees and has eternally existed. And while I can say the words, I kind of felt like they felt, I think. I don't know what that means. Now, I can comment on Timberwood's existence, okay, because I was here at the beginning, okay? And I can even comment on the existence of people younger than me that I know well because I was there at their beginning. But I should probably just slow my roll a little when it comes to this. God has eternally existed. But here's what I do know. The Bible tells us what we know about God because of what is all around us. Now, you might say, well, how convenient. Right, but uh, just bear with me for a second. If you were the God of the universe, wouldn't you create a way for people to know you? I mean, wouldn't that be kind of the deal? The Bible tells us that we can know about God based on what's all around us, based on the crowd that's gathered here, our faces, based on this, looking outside. The Bible says, you look outside and you see evidence of a creator God. The Bible tells us we know about God because of what is all around us, nature and nurture and books and experiences and beauty. And while some are content to leave chaos and chance as the explanation for these things, I mean, if we're really thinking about it, doesn't it seem like there's just a great deal more order? Doesn't it seem like there's just a great deal more beauty? I mean, if you really like art or you really like music. I mean, could Bach exist if God didn't create? Or say you have an encounter that many of us share, right? An encounter that is so unique almost unrepeatable, a point in time where something happened to us in such a powerful way that we're like, wait a second, that didn't come from me, and that didn't come from anyone else around me. That came from something greater than me, greater than anyone around me, greater than anything that I see. Or you've ever thought to yourself, as cool as I am, I know I'm not the biggest thing in the world. Before the beginning, before the creation, God was. I did with this, this with the kids, okay? We sat in a chair, um, and I went like this, and I said, okay, just like go like this. Can you do like this with me? Just play with me. If you don't want to play, it's fine. You don't have to. You can keep your arms down. It's fine. No problem. Jackets are tight. All these things, right? Okay. Okay. So then I'm like, okay, like do like this, right? And so I'm like, because we're asking a question about God, right? And the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And so I'm like, okay, just imagine at the top, you know, tap your fingers together. Okay. That's the Father. Okay. And then point to your right elbow and that's the Son. And then point to your left elbow. That's the Holy Spirit, right? And it's like a triangle, right? And they're all God, but they're all distinct, 
and we call it the Trinity. And it's a word you won't find in the Bible. Not joking. The guy who's responsible for putting it in the vernacular is this cat by the name of Tertullian. He's a North African, Rome by way of Carthage. But the concept is in Scripture, right? Some of Jesus' last words. Jesus came, all authority in heaven and earth. Go therefore make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. This concept in Scripture referencing the Father, the Son, Jesus, the Word of God, those names are interchangeable, and the Spirit. The function of the Trinity, okay? There's both an economic reality as well as a um, relational reality, okay? There are certain responsibilities, although there is clearly some overlap. Look back at Genesis 121. God's talking about creating, and he uses the plural us. He's like, we decided to do this thing. So creating, sustaining, the overall plan, certain dates like the return of Jesus, we would say belong to, top of the pyramid, the Father, also the recipient of our prayers. Also the best property owner ever. Do you ever think of God as the best property owner ever? You know, my, Jesus said, in my father's house. Son, the word of God, Jesus. Also responsible for creation, hence the overlap. But also, in a unique way, does the incarnation, baby time. He's a teacher, example, fully human, only one ever who was fully, perfectly human. Sacrifice, we'll get to that in a couple of weeks. High priest, intercessor, best architect and contractor. If you're thinking, if you're thinking that, that God doesn't understand the trades, you'd be totally mistaken. God's like the best property owner, best architect, best contractor. Jesus said, in my Father's house there are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. Spirit. Left elbow. Again, present at creation. Another teacher after Jesus ascends. A gift giver, a counselor, a convictor. Word about conviction, right? Okay, the Holy Spirit, like when, you've, when I've done something stupid and I haven't asked for forgiveness for it, the Holy Spirit just goes like this on me. Once you ask for confession of sin, ask for forgiveness for the stupid thing that you did, that I did, then there's the assurance that you've been forgiven. Now, we've talked about this before. Some people live with the pain of confessed sin. So, we've done something stupid. Holy Spirit's pressing on us. We confess our sin. The Holy Spirit says, you're forgiven. But we still want to live with the pain of that confessed sin. The pain of confessed sin isn't from the Holy Spirit. The pain of confessed sin is from the enemy of our soul. If you are suffering pain from confessed sin, that's not from God. Pain from unconfessed sin, yes, that's from God. Critical distinction. If you haven't worked through this, we want to work through this reality with you. There are clues in relationships as well as economic function. This relational aspect. 
first off, there's no turf wars for God. The God of the universe isn't jammed up that Jesus Christ got to be the incarnation. And, and the God of the universe, the Father, isn't jammed up that Jesus Christ is, is the Spirit. There's no turf wars. They're, they're so, like, happy for each other, so perfect in their love for one another, so jazzed about what each other gets to do. There's no turf wars. That should give us a clue as to how we should relate in our relationships. And speaking of relationships, the Father loves the Son. God so loved the world. God is love. It's a clue, right? The relational aspect that in this economic trinity, there's also this relational aspect of love, that, that they love each other and enjoy being with one another. And it forms the basis for us to be in relationship, not only with God, but with each other. It's a clue for how we should live. It's a clue for how we should exist. It's a clue for how we should view a person that's sitting right next to us. Do we view them with love? Do we view them within the reality, a relationship? Do we view them and value the gift and ability and economic advantage they provide in the world in which God is love and God created? It's all in his names, right? People have studied the names of God, the way that God is referred to. God says to Moses in Exodus, I am who I am, I am. Jesus says, Father, and if you permit me uh, some latitude, here are a list of the names of God, starting with beginning, beginning, and first, and alpha, and I am, and father, and creator, and sustainer, and, and redeemer, and holy, and restorer, and protector, Provider, defender of women, on the side of the underdog, helper, Elohim, Yahweh, Adonai, Lord, Savior, example, companion, ruler, friend, consuming fire, provider of words, merciful, gracious, compassionate, judge, mighty wind, blesses, fearful, spirit, almighty, faithful, true, God of the spirits of the prophets, word, the root, the descendant of David, a name, king of kings, lord of lords, lamb, worthy, the lion of Judah, sovereign lord, unseen, eternal life, Messiah, Jesus, cornerstone, living stone, high priest, founder, perfecter, father of spirits, most high God, priest forever, order of Melchizedek, begotten, image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation, Head of the body, firstborn from the dead, arrested, accused, executed, drink offering, paraclete, counselor, teacher, wise, stone of stumbling, rock of offense, spirit of life, true vine, the way, life, good shepherd, the resurrection, the light, the bread of life, the son of man, the temple, the teacher, the king, the Lord of the Sabbath, Emmanuel, prince of peace, Son of David, Mother Hen, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and 
last, omega. What do we think about when we think about God? I used to think of God as this guy by the name of Doug Ritchie. Uh, it was a summer missions trip I took when I worked at Wooddale. Doug Ritchie was this guy who wasn't necessarily really tall, but he had like this barrel chest. I know I've described some of uh, his characteristics to some of you at some point in the past. He had this beard, right? And, and just this mountain of a man and a mountain man, and he had these kind eyes. And even when I did things that exhibited poor mountain judgment, he was gracious and kind to me. I used to think of God that way. But I almost always experienced God as this angry dad waiting for me to screw up, waiting for me to fail. Interesting, right? Because if you ask me, how do I view God? I'd be like, oh, it's this person, right? It looks like this. But how I actually lived, radically different. That, that even in the good times of life, I kind of felt like God always like, like stood with his arms crossed, like waiting for me, and then he'd go, whap! How I think about God is different now. And how I experience him is also different In my brain, these ideas have come together. It's kind of like when a Venn diagram crosses, but then when it gets really close, they overlap. I think I've also gotten to this point in these related words in the discussion of God of orthodoxy and orthopraxy and orthopathos, right belief, right behavior, right emotion. It's been a work in progress. But how I think of God has changed. I think of God as generous and gracious. I think of God as bringing order to my chaos. I think of God as bringing hope to my death. I think of God as bringing context to my disappointment. I think of God as bringing salvation to my soul and forgiveness. And I think of God letting me experience God's grace and mercy on a daily basis. It was years ago but the song still rings for me. It's one that I often listen to. Maybe I could teach it to you. God, you are my God. And I will ever praise you. Oh, God. You are my God, and I will ever praise you. 
I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your ways. And step by step, you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. I believe in one God, eternally existing in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please pray with me. Father, in your graciousness and your generosity, meet us in our place of need. Father, bring order to our chaos. And if there is no order to be found, be with us in our chaos. Let us know your joy, your grace, and your mercy. Let us know your forgiveness. Let us know your salvation. Father, you are our God. We believe in you. We will follow you all of our days.